0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Healthy Business Podcast. I got Saul Cohen here with me. Hey, Saul, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Just take take a second here to kind of introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, why you love it.
1: Sure. Um, I am the owner and president of Wealth with Wisdom Advisors, incorporated here in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Uh, I've been in the financial world since 1988, oh wow! I um, I was primarily involved with an agency and firm in New York City for the first two thirds of my career. For a little over 20 years, I moved to Florida back in uh, about 12 years ago, and um, remained with the parent company. For a short while and then went independent and created wealth with wisdom advisors some eight or nine years ago sometime in 2014 or 15 Mm -hmm. time flies and we basically look to show people how to grow wealth and not be duped
0: in the process
1: (laughs) by bad actors out there.
0: I was about to say, so how, how do people get duped? Tell me a little bit more about that. I think everyone wants to know. Well, th-
1: there's a, a variety of ways, but Ponzi schemes are the biggest versions and the granddaddy of them all was uh, made off. But there are smaller ones too. I have I have actually had a client going back about 30 years. There's still clients today, but they found a lawyer to do their wills and trusts who ended up, convincing them to invest their money in this real estate program which turned out to be a Ponzi scheme and he got disbarred and went to jail oh and they lost a million dollars
0: man I, I just can't understand that like you, like how do, how do you sleep at night knowing that you're you're screwing these poor people and they they you know this their hard-earned money it's their wealth it's their it, maybe it's their kids wealth you know like they were told that you know if you invest this will 10x the the investment and so your kids kids won't have to work I mean that's a pretty big promise, but you know what I mean? Like that, that's just, I don't know how people sleep at night like that.
1: You're, you're absolutely right. But the problem is, is that as a rational, honest human being, you can't understand how their minds work. Mm-hmm. You know, you think yep. of it in terms of an honest individual, whereas they don't have those scruples.
0: Oh yeah. Well, and and not that it's the same, but like, uh, I, I recently watched that show, uh, uh, Dahmer on Netflix and you know, they, Obviously everyone knows the story of Jeffrey Dahmer. And like I think it's probably pretty tough to understand what, what is going through your mind when you want to do stuff like that to be well.
1: For sure. I mean, that's really out
0: there. But yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> that's serious mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. The uh so how, how do you how do you like being a, a business owner yourself? Like and, and so to that, you know, what what kind of boundaries do you put in place so that your your business and your personal life maybe don't overlap or do overlap? I mean, there's no right or wrong answer to that. Just more about like how you manage it.
1: Well, I um, I tend to be a workaholic, so it does overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to this industry, I came into this industry in my mid thirties. Uh, prior to that, I was I created a private ambulance service in New York City that uh, I owned for about twelve years and ended up selling so i've always been entrepreneurial i've always been independent on my own um even when i was working for a bigger firm pretty much you're on your own Mm -hmm. Um, and i've learned over time through the use of coaches that have worked with me to begin to separate and create time for myself I, um, I'm i big on eating as cleanly as I can, but I do give in to temptations at times. <laughs> um, and to live a relatively clean life, and I do work out two or three times a week. Um, it's just, it's a necessary component if you want to stay around for a while.
0: Oh yeah, I totally agree. And that's a, I was, I was actually, I had another uh, wealth management person on and he was telling me about how, uh, you know, he's got all these people retiring at 65 with these great fortunes and they're probably going to live about five more years, you know, <laughs> they, uh, until you mass this fortune and you spend all this time saving money and then your health's so bad because you spent so much time working that you only got five, six years left.
1: Absolutely. You know, I, one of the things that was a blessing and a, and a terrible event in my life was at the age of 18, I lost my dad to a heart attack at 56 years old. Mm. And um, it was always one of my things to try and stay ahead of the curve. And my father was also a business owner, but he was exactly what you described. He was so involved in the day-to-day and he didn't know how to temper his anxieties around his business and it pretty much did him in. Mm And that was a long time ago, and nutrition wasn't as big of an item back then. Right. Um, but what I find is is I've always made time for myself, even if it meant, like when I was working in New York City, I would actually leave my house at 5 o'clock in the morning to get into my office, do some paperwork when it was quiet from 5.40 till about 7 o'clock, 7.30, And then I would go out to a gym I belonged to, and I'd bring my change of clothing with me. And I would work out for an hour because it was the best way to relieve stress. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether I was lifting weights or doing cardio, um, it was a great way to facilitate staying healthy, relieving stress, and then getting ready for my workday, come back to the office at about 930 and continue my workday. And I'd work long hours, but Yeah. No,
0: I I tell people, I tell people that all the time. Like if you really feel like something you're doing is, is monumental, like go work out for an hour, come back. And I promise it won't feel that bad. Like, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty rare that like the thing you're dealing with that feels so big is actually as big as you make it out to be. Now. I mean, if you're dealing with bankruptcy lawyers and, and maybe losing everything, like, okay, I I understand being stressed about that. And an hour workout probably is not going to fix it, but but most of the time it's just stress and anxiety from like what we think about decisions we have to make like next week or tomorrow or the next day. And we don't actually need to make them yet. But like we get so worked up and so nervous about making the decisions that we get worked up a week, two weeks, three weeks before they ever even happen.
1: Right. And it's it's really the, the biggest challenge is living in the moment and not living in the future or in the past. We all make mistakes. And if you dwell on those that'll that'll kill you and if you worry about what's coming up like you said it's also gonna weigh on
0: you and that'll kill you yeah
1: live in the moment and do what you can do in this very second and move on
0: yeah oh, uh, and and so here, here's a good question for that too as far as living in the moment uh so you hear all the time people about like saving money and 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 not doing little things every day to invest it or, or what whatever, whatever the the financial gurus say. Uh, but what, where's the fine line between living your life and, you know, understanding that when you die, you can't take it with you, but also not having to work till you're 90?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, what, one of the things, first off, I don't think there's anything wrong with work. I'm 71 years old. And my friends all ask me, why haven't you retired? And I have the, the wherewithal to retire, but I just look at retirement as God's waiting room. Um, and I'm not ready to wait for that yet, um, as far as that's concerned. But when I'm talking to clients, it's about taking care of your future first. There's an old adage in our industry called pay yourself first. So mm-hmm. take 10 or probably you probably need 15% of your wage and put it away for your future and do planning with it and then spend the rest with a clear conscience and that's really the methodology that anybody who wants a future down the road will have one if they just follow that simple adage
0: yeah i think that's good the uh guy I, I think i fell into that when i started saving and investing money early on was it was like everything so like my my even my my checking account would get so low because i was like saving and investing so much money and so you know i'd want to go do something and be like well i don't think i can afford it Really like, so then you're not doing anything. So like, you make more money, which is cool, but then you're not any happier because you're, you're not you're not actually getting to benefit from it at all. So there's, I knew that there's got to be a, a middle ground and in between to to live your life, but also maybe have some money later in life if you do want to if you want to enter God's waiting room. You
1: know, right, exactly. And the the sad thing about what goes on in our country is, is I. I remember seeing a statistic, and um, don't hold me to this, but it's somewhere in the forty percent of people in America live paycheck to paycheck and mm-hmm. don't have anything saved up.
0: Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's about right. I think it was a uh, even P, it was a uh, it was I can't remember the exact number, but it was a pretty good chunk of people that make even a hundred thousand dollars a year that oh, yeah. that live paycheck to paycheck and they and they have no no real money. Like they're basically one. One how one card falling away from the house, just from losing everything.
1: Absolutely, I've actually been in front of. I actually had a client. Um, I, actually, they weren't. They never became clients. They were prospects mm. at the time. But two six-figure income earners. They between the two of them, they were taking in three hundred thousand dollars a year. The problem was, is they were spending more than that, and they had mm. substantial debt. And when I gave them the prescription of controlling it all, they just didn't like having to do that. <laughs> yeah. And we never moved forward.
0: Yeah, I grew up in a town that was that was very much like a keeping up with the Joneses situation where most people did not have the money that they claimed to have or, or appeared to have. Everyone drove nice cars, house was two stories with beautiful landscape. Everything was amazing until. They moved away all of a sudden and everyone was like, Hey, where'd they go? And they're like, Well, you, default head. Head. you yeah, yeah. The...
1: i I had a friend that was a surgeon and his wife was a surgeon. Oh my gosh. And, um, we we were we were just we started our relationship just as friends, and we actually went fishing together. He owned a real nice brand new boat, um, gorgeous home, second home on the Jersey shore, and push came to shove when they asked me to work with them. They really had nothing, but a whole lot of mortgage and a whole lot of income. And they yeah. were living
0: right at the age. Oh man. Yeah. I, I, I see it all the time. And, I, and that's like, honestly, that's one of my biggest fears is ending up in, in a situation like that where like, it's not that like, I want to increase my income because I, because I, I want to, and I, and I like owning my business and I like helping more people but I need to increase my income this month because if I don't, like they're coming for my car, my house, my, you know, whatever. So, like, I, I still, my car is, like, 10 years old. And I, I talk to my wife all the time about getting a new car. And I just cannot bring myself to do it because I, can, I just think about what I could do with 500 bucks every month. Like, what I, where I could put it, the type of trips we could go on, the type of, you know, the, the experiences we can have together. That doesn't just go into, like, what I would say is the garbage disposal every single month.
1: Well, that's that's very astute on your part. What we call that in economics, in personal economics, and in more macroeconomics, is opportunity cost. And mm-hmm. most people don't realize that they make opportunity cost decisions with every purchase they make, but some of them actually are present to it, like you are, and others aren't. And a car is a status symbol, if you will, to many yep. people, but I'm in your camp, and a car to me is a depreciating asset. The moment you buy it, so you might as well use it until it's no longer functional, and then go out and buy your new car.
0: Yeah, that I I actually finished the. Did you ever re- read the book, uh, The Psychology of Money? No, I haven't. Uh, it, it's good, It's a good book. Uh, and it, and it basically just goes into like why we view money and status as maybe even bigger deals than they are. Uh, and so one of the big points in there's a car. Like what is a car? does the car actually get you from point A to point B better? Like most of the time, no. Sometimes like if your car breaks down and dies, but like most people know it's the same point A to point B. You still have to go 30 miles an hour. That's still a speed limit. It still goes the same. But when you drive by, you think people look at you and go, wow, that guy's cool. Or like, wow, look at, yeah. look at how much money that guy has or or whatever.
1: Right. It's It's all part of our culture. And it's, it's one of the, less desirable components of our culture I'm a, I'm a big capitalist but i'm also a realist and i agree with you it's it's just the status symbol and i i i even prefer buying my cars a year or two old because yep. that's they suffer the greatest depreciation
0: yep and they uh yeah i mean low miles is still good but i mean if you can get it under 30 or something like that. I mean, twenty thousand miles on a car depreciates it significantly, and it's really not that many. Like most of them should go a hundred plus easy. In today's
1: environment, absolutely. When I was a kid, that wasn't the case. Yeah. But in today's environment, you can easily put one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand miles on a car without having to put a lot of repairs into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I drive a twenty thirteen F one fifty, and it has one hundred and thirty thousand miles on it, and it. Still runs exactly the same. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. One, one story before I, I I do a little outro here. The uh one of my personal training clients uh just because I, I do own a fitness nutrition business uh is a he sells cars. He was telling me about this guy that came in. He wanted the brand new 2023 Chevy Tahoe, hundred thousand dollar car. Uh, well they went to going you know, run his credit and everything, and they and he could not afford this car. He was upside down on his current car. So he definitely could not afford a $100,000 car on top of that. And uh, they denied him. And then he went and got a uh, his cousin to like co-sign on this lease. And he walked out of there with a $1,300 a month car payment and a $100,000 car with negative, negative equity rolling into this car from his last car and left with a smile on his face. And I was like, yeah. okay, if that's what you want.
1: I had a childhood friend that did that same thing over and over and over again and, um, yeah, it was, it's sad. I mean, it's just unnecessary and you just dig yourself into a deeper hole.
0: And and do you think that's just psychology? Like, is, is that just like the status is they, like they, they grew up and they, they weren't very popular or their, their parents didn't have a nice car. Is that is, from all the people you've talked to is that what you really feel like it is like what,
1: well, in that particular friend's case, and we've been friends going back 50 years. Um, I think. I don't I don't really know what the cause was cuz his parents had money but they lived a more modest life. I think it's just the way the chips fall and the psychology of each individual is different. I mean, you can take some families where one child grows up to be a drug addict and the other child grows up to be a billionaire. I mean, Oprah Winfrey is a, is a perfect example of that. She's one of the most successful if not the most successful in television and I think I read once that she had a sister that was a, a drug user and a real addict. Interesting. And they came from the same projects, mm-hmm. and grew up in the same household. So who knows?
0: That's a good, that's a good point. I don't think I knew that. But anyway, so is there anything else you want to throw out there before we sign off here?
1: No, this, is, this has been fun. And uh, it's, it, I've pretty much told you my piece and yeah. I enjoyed our little talk.
0: Awesome, man. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit here once I sign everything off. But thank you so much for everybody who listened to the Healthy Business Podcast and we will see you next time.